That's a disclaimer. The views and comments made during this episode are those of the participants and do not represent any entity that they volunteer with or are employed by. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to the Lewis Domatic Podcast, which discuss geopolitics, national security, a whole bunch of nonsense and reviews. I'm your host, Ryan Young, and joining me today is Lex Cardone and Robert Thomas. And recording on September 19th, 2021. And uh, we're back. It's been a little bit. I mean, you know, especially for you guys, it's been, it's been a while. It's been like, what? Happy to be back, Ryan. Thank uh, you so much for having us. Yeah. Yeah, I just like, yeah, come, come drink my beer, you son of a bitch. <laughs> just like. <laughs> yeah, I think it's my first time uh, here for an in person recording since. Uh, the before times. Uh, God, maybe. For an yeah. in-person oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. The last time... Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. Well, we, we, we made it through. <laughs> yeah. We were mind blown. Yeah. Oh, my... Yeah. yeah. yeah you haven't been at one, I think, since like, earlier this year. But um, we're not talking about Afghanistan, even though we, we will one day. It's just kind of... The situation is just like... it's. We're waiting to see how things turn out, and also it's just not the fucking right time to talk about stuff. Yeah. We need an angle, and we haven't found that yet. So, yeah, exactly. and, we, and we want to avoid being part of a pylon of self-absorbed nonsense. Every idiot with an opinion has an opinion about that. So let's, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about something a bit more. I don't know. A bit more wonky. Well, well yeah, <laughs> brings, we love wonky. It, it, it brings a little bit of ruckus. <laughs> if you use another acronym like that, I'm gonna. So, uh, as you see from the title, we're going to talk about AUKUS. Or how, is that, what do you think is the best way to say it? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't heard it spoken. I've only read best it. Best is a strong word. It's not a pretty acronym. <laughs> Even we, as they need to hire a Madison Avenue like, <laughs> advertising firm to get a better, like, have it roll off the tongue. So, But AUKUS is essentially the recently announced um, joint deal between the U.S., Australia, and U.K. Uh, regarding... You know, there's a bunch of things, but mostly is sharing uh, artificial intelligence, um, cyber activities, nuclear submarines, and un- other undersea technologies. But I don't know what that means. I'm assuming anti-mermaid technology, <laughs> like get fucked, Muriel. Well, the, the, the true uh, national security threat. <laughs> well, <they're> using, <laughs> they, they used to be occupying the Great Barrier Reef, but now that's not so much of a problem anymore. So, so. yeah, now they're coming for us. Um. You know, this got announced this past week, and uh, it uh, it's you know, there's been a lot of feelings around it. Ruffled some feathers, yeah. And um, you know, but before we get really deep into the weeds of it, talk about our beers. What are we drinking tonight, Ryan? We're drinking what I assume is a new beer from DC Brow Brewing, uh, the Imperial. It's a double in d- double IPA, and the description has it as "Behold, the Imperial." True new school hybrid IPA, deeply imbued with roots from our traditional American IPA ancestry with a heavy handed drop. Like a bunch of stuff, I don't care. Um, so, yet another uh, very strong, very hoppy IPA. Yeah. As, as Ryan likes yeah. and approves so, of. Yeah. In a stunning turn of events. <laughs> yeah, the, the IPA podcast is what we're known for, right? Seriously. We should just change the title to that. <laughs> Almost IPA. Right. Cheers. I like it. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, it's a little colder, but uh, I like it. No, oh, it's good. Yeah, it's um, it's not as bitter as I thought it would be. Um, it's it's got a little bit of richness to it. Definitely, it, 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 it definitely tastes like an eight percent. It's but not in a bad way. No, like it. I'm not the biggest fan of DC Brow, 
sorry, I know my sponsor. I just killed my sponsorship there, but. Um, but You've this, ruined everything. Uh, How will we afford to keep the lights on? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, selling a kidney, I guess, is what we're doing. Your, your, your kidney. My kidney, yes. I mean, it is all on you. you I'll, I'll jump on the scalp for this one. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, but yeah, no, it's a sol- It's pretty. This is very drinkable, too. Very, like a, The thing is, with a lot of double IPAs, I feel like it's just a slog to get through. But yeah. like this is like I can crush this outside, which dangerous being it, it's eight percent, but I proof. But Kevin can shotgun it. Oh yeah. Kevin can shotgun anything. He's even though he's old and washed up. I mean rip. I mean <laughs> but, but really R. I. P. Once in former co host. Yeah. <laughs> we we can bring him back as a special guest one day just to shotgun a beer on on mic and then leave. Well, that'll be our intermission next time. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he can do ones like, maybe the next time we do it, the Expanse is coming back later this year, so we might do an episode of that and then he'll come back. He'll come back for that. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, he'll, he'll rise from the grave. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, August is, is kind of like, which is, it seems, it's, it's, I've never, I haven't really said it out loud too much because it's mostly been, you know, by myself. You, you shouldn't. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's just like, <laughs> let's call it the, uh, what, the ensuing collaboration between Australia, the US, and the UK. Well, we could really spook the conspiracy theorists by referring to it as the Trilateral Commission. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. But if, if only we had France in it, then it would be Falcus, which is almost like Fauci, which... Don't Fauci my Florida, folks. I think it would have been Fracus. <laughs> Fracus. Fracus? Fracus? Bring the ruckus? You know, he's bring like, the ruckus, bring the fracas. Yeah, like, get fucked, China, we're coming for you. I mean, we're not. You know, this is a that sounds like a, a wrestling intro, like, bring the fracas. <laughs> <laughs> like, is this what, geopolitics or is this WWE? I mean, what I what 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 could have been? What uh, could have been? But uh, France was not part of this, uh, which was a whole thing they were upset about because mostly considering that um, they had a about what a fifty billion dollar deal with Australia to build twelve uh, diesel powered submarines for Australians, which is now uh, done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean to. To just lay out some of the context for this, I mean, it's not this arrangement between the U.S., the U.K., and Australia isn't a, a new alliance. There is already alliance architecture uh, involving all three of our countries, um, but it is a new sort of structure for collaboration on particular issues. And the sort of top build item right now is this nuclear submarine uh, piece where. Uh, there's going to be a mechanism for transferring nuclear sub-technology uh, to Australia. Uh, and that's something that very, very few countries have and that the U.S. has only ever shared with one other country in our entire history, and that is the U.K. Uh, I, th- I think Australia would be like number seven or number eight now of mm-hmm. nuclear right. subs. Yeah, and they'll be the only one without any intention of not only... Um, arming those nuclear subs with nuclear weapons, but developing a land-based nuclear civilian yeah, nuclear energy. Yeah, they have a whole fucking thing with it. Yeah. It's, uh, go ahead. it's just not very... Like, having the, the the stigma of nuclear energy is... It's it's very unpopular in Australia. Um, so it's... this For a lot of, you know, watchers of the Indo-Pacific, this came out of far left field that the government would somehow find a way to get a deal for nuclear subs without energy or weapons or anything like that well it's it's been it's, so it basically the the um 
the agreement in the kind of the, between the countries kind of originates mostly from our Five Eyes um, uh, alliance we have with uh, us, Canada, UK, Australia, and New Zealand. It's mostly intelligence sharing, um, and it kind of came out of that a little bit for our own our own kind of needs and, and, and stuff. But you know, New Zealand has come out saying. You will not. They will not allow those uh, those Australian nuke subs to ever come in their waters. Right. Well, the, New Zealand has basically a blanket policy of their entire territory being a nuclear-free zone on all fronts. They they ban any nuclear-powered vessels from uh, from sailing into their territory in their ports. They ban any placement of nuclear weapons on their territory, and they ban the use of any civilian nuclear power in their territory. It's a, it is a total blanket prohibition regardless of, of who uh, or under what circumstances. Probably why they, they weren't involved in the deal. <laughs> yeah, the, it was a big enough domestic hurdle for, for the Australian government to try and ease domestic political concerns uh, around this. Uh, it would have been a, a total non-starter uh, in the case of, of New Zealand uh, with their domestic political environment, yeah. and their frankly, their um, their approach to China is way different than has been different than Australia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a it's a increasingly important gulf between the two. Yeah, so maybe that's a good place to segue into. Like, let's go through the the main players in this: the U.S., the U.K., Australia. What's the UK? What's the US's? Um, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, this I mean, a, I mean, they, they definitely want. We're building off the Five Eyes, but this is a different level of collaboration. Yeah, I think it's basically like, okay. We need a strong ally in the Asia Pacific. Like, you know, we share a language, we share a common history of like a lot of different other alliances and such with with that country, and they needed something that we had, which is nuclear subs. And also, and also the, the I mean, the cyber thing's a bigger, almost a bigger deal for them, I think. Consider right. the, the things they get from China. Well, I mean, really, issues with rivalry with the, the PRC are far and away the, the biggest geostrategic challenge that the U.S. is going to face for the next several decades. And there's been focus on a number of different ways of deterring uh, PRC aggression and making sure that we're sort of well positioned to deal with any threats in the region to ourselves, to our friends and partners, to global trade uh, or other interests that we have. And what we don't have though in that region is something like NATO. NATO is a, despite many challenges, it's a pretty robust comprehensive alliance architecture in the context of Europe and the North Atlantic. There isn't something like that for us to work through in the Indo-Pacific region. So what we're seeing is, okay, how do we structure different relationships? I mean, this is complementary to things like the quad relationship between the U.S., Australia, Japan, and India. That's what I was going to bring up because it's like it's one of those things where it's like well, we have the quality of Australia as part of it, you know. They just kind of need the better strategic weaponry. Yeah, and that you know we'll we'll get to Australia's part in this because I, I think that's we all agree that's the most critical under talked about at least in the U.S. political context. But what where is how does the I mean we've we've talked about how the U.K. is the only. Um, 
other country the U.S. has transferred their nuclear submarine technology to. Um, yeah, their role in this uh, is pretty can't, clear. Can't forgive him for that. It's very... <laughs> Ryan has his opinions and prejudices. <laughs> but the U.K. played, some would say, a critical role in arranging this. Um, what was their role? What was their, um, you know... The context of well, this I mean, in that. They're, they're cl- I mean, they're, they were such a war colony, too, so they have, like, that re- that relationship. They have, they still, I mean, in Australia, they poorly have the um, the awful woman known as the queen uh, on their money, I believe. Um, uh, Ryan uh, stakes his position as the enemy of the House of Windsor. Yeah. Yeah. For, uh, we, we need Charles, we need the, the Stuarts back, right? <laughs> but yeah, the young pretender, the I mean, younger they, they, pretender. They, they've always been closer to Australia than we have, you know. And it's just a kind of. It, it, but it's, they're also looking for a they want to an be, avenue to be international. I, I hate saying it this way because it sounds really judgmental, but like to be internationally relevant in an era post Brexit. It, it, it makes sense because I know that they they really do though because that their issue is that okay we're gonna go make our own path and we want to do trade with the. You know, the, the Asia, how we want to, and right. that kind of stuff. But we were, like, we were once this globe-spanning empire. Now we are back to. We have the one. Falklands. We're, we're the, well, <laughs> Las Malvinas. <laughs> but no, we uh, like we are. We're clearly one of the most advanced powers in the world. One of the most advanced militaries in the world. But we're now. But they this don't. identity crisis between former empire. What is our role? Post? Are we part of Europe? Are we? Do we have more in common? It's clear there's more com- more in common with the Anglophone nations, um, and that's what they're trying to pursue. Right. I mean, they they still have much more military capability than most countries in the world, and they're an island country that has an economy heavily reliant on international trade, international finance. Uh, and and related linkages to the rest of the world, not just in their immediate neighborhood, but globally. Uh, and they still have a lot of, again, a lot of military capability, but their reach is on their own is nothing close to what it once was. And now they are post-Brexit trying to figure out their path to secure their interests and figure out their position in the world, which is a rather daunting challenge in a lot of ways. And while they may not hold Hong Kong anymore, arguably their interest in the South Pacific because of how tied in their economy is to international trade, or uh, the South China Sea, is um, even more so than it was back in 97 when they returned um, Hong Kong to China. Um, So they have many um, parallel interests to the U.S. in terms of issues like freedom of navigation issues, you know, um, the maybe less ideological than the U.S.-China conflict, but definitely from a trade perspective, they have a, a lot of stake, a lot of skin in the game. It's most, most of Britain's wars were fought in the Asia were over trade. Yeah. Well, well, in less less so sense, guns. I don't uh, think they have the gunboats now to <laughs> roll, roll up the Yangtze, but <laughs> the Pearl River Delta. But yeah, we'll see. So yeah, yeah. and finally, Australia. This is the one that maybe isn't quite as you know upfront in people in like the wonkish my, minds my, in DC. My, or my my big thing is, I mean, besides like like we see what you know the Aussies get out of this, they get new subs and like another technology they do not have access to. It to help right. benefits, but like, what does the U.S. get besides um, 
essentially just like, oh, you're you're closer to them than we are. Cool, you're, you're a good, useful port, well, maybe, but we don't know what the port you can say, will be. Yeah, you can say infl- there's you know a level of influence and collaboration that alone is worth something, but it could be, you're right, it could be a, you know, a more, more relaxed um, port visits or yeah. training exercises or, or rota- yeah. um, U.S.-Australia rotations back and forth, like that kind of security posture. Yeah. But, I mean, ultimately, it's in the U.S.'s interest to have a robust, multi-layered network of deterrence in the region against military aggression right. by the People's Republic of China. Yeah. That's and, their biggest. And so having having allies and partners have the capability to stand up for themselves more effectively to basically put maybe a little bit of a break on some of the more hawkish uh, decision makers in the Chinese Communist Party leadership and the PLA is helpful to minimizing the risk of something really going crazy in the region. Yeah, Rob, you have a better knowledge of this than both of us, but um, with regarding this, what do you think, I mean, why did Australia really want to do this? Because it's like, they. what's, what's the relationship of China the last couple of years, which has not been kind, it's been pretty hostile. It Well, it's deteriorated dramatically. I mean, Australia's pretty big territorially, but I mean, in, in terms of population, it's a, a rel- relatively small country compared to uh, the U.S. And, and much, much smaller than uh, than China is. Also very historically reliant over the last several decades on trade with China, yeah. uh, which is the economic powerhouse in the region. And so things, I mean, things were relatively smooth uh, in the in their relationship until not too many years ago, but there's just been this series of of incidents that have really spooked the Australian establishment into wanting to make sure that they have a wider range of options. I mean, there there been scandals around PRC efforts to conduct information operations and manipulation of electoral politics in in Australia. There have been uh, PRC efforts at economic coercion, and there's been an expansion of the the PLA Navy and its capability and the aggression uh, of PRC activity in places like the South China Sea, that if you're a highly trade-reliant country that's not too far from there, uh, suddenly starts to look a lot more concerning um, what's going on in your neighborhood, and it gives you a big incentive to want to make sure that your own your own ability to deter potential aggression and bullying, both through your own military capabilities and through the strength and depth of your relationships with allies and partners, your incentives to, to maximize both of those are pretty big. And so, I mean, you, you're, you're hearing a lot about how this, this arrangement involving technology transfer for them to build their own nuclear submarines is supplanting uh, this deal with the French to 
build diesel electric submarines, but even that, uh, even that prior deal was part of an effort to expand their own naval capability in Australia because of how concerned they were. And the concern has only grown in such a way that they came to a point where they said, we're not sure even that's going to cut it. We need to we need to accelerate even more what kind of capability yeah. we're looking for and how we're going to manage it. And given, I mean, given the Australian military's small size and the fraction of the population and even smaller fraction of the defense budget that they deal with, they're actually a pretty effective... Yeah, power for power, they're not bad. They're not, they're, yeah, but... This was this is what you were mentioning the the difference between diesel electric and which is what they were going to be buying from the French and the nuclear the capabilities are completely different now diesel electric if is fine for a lot of things coastal defense um, but they're limited based on um, you know the amount of fuel you also have to surface the ship occasionally and vent air and which, you know, the steam that you see from that is visible for miles. So in a combat situation, that's a huge vulnerability. Yeah. And that and those the smokestacks that come from that. Whereas nuclear, you can stay down essentially as long as you have enough food. Um, and Australia being where it is in the middle of the South Pacific, there's a lot of sea room between there and India. So if they... Obviously, they're not trying to project like the U.S. does, but for their purposes, it does make a lot of sense why they yeah. found a better deal for a better product here. Um, they've been looking to upgrade their, as Rob mentioned, they've been looking to upgrade their undersea fleet for the past several years. Um, now it seems like they found a better deal at the last minute, and that's not sitting well in Paris. <laughs> that's putting it mildly. <laughs> Before we jump to the French... Uh, we're going to do something the first time we've never done in this episode. We're going to have a uh, mid-session beer review. Well, we haven't had too many podcasts recently, so we need at least <laughs> two beers to get get us through this one. It's time time for a transition. Yeah. Switching gears. Yeah. Sure. I mean, this totally was relevant mostly because... Uh, <laughs> I bought beers, and then Max bought beers, and like, well, I guess we need to drink them all now. Well, you didn't feel like responding until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So. I was sleeping. <laughs> I, work, I work overnights, motherfucker. Okay, I have a st- stupid sleep schedule. Leave me alone. I thought you were just still locked out of your, yeah. your own home. And, yeah, you living, living under the swing set across the street. <laughs> this is my territory now. No, I mean, I, I, with my dear friends Tom and Sean, we have a plan to take Teddy Roosevelt Island as ours, make it a pirate island, and basically just pillage the uh, the boats that go down the Potomac. That's your post-apocalyptic survival plan. I mean, yeah, that's my survival plan right now. So <laughs> next time you get locked out of your car. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I, the choice has been made. The die has been cast. <laughs> Some would say a little dramatic, but, you know, fucking... Live your truth, man. Yeah, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try to. <laughs> so we're drinking now Devil's Backbone O Fest. Um, I was I, honestly, I was thinking about just getting a Polliner um, Hefeweizen, but I wasn't sure how you felt about Hefeweizens. I knew you'd be Hefeweizen's into it. It's not bad. It's not my favorite. But yeah, I, no, I, I but if Kevin was here, like it would have okay, two to one, whatever. Yeah. But so I went with no. You can't go wrong with a, a Oktoberfest style lager. So indeed. Cheers. Oh, cheers. Mm. cheers. 
Also, Devil's Back was a phenomenal brewery. Yeah. We all went there uh, last year. During the, yeah, we, it's, we, we, it's uh, just like such a great space they have. Oh, it's so nice. It's, the mountains are beautiful. The food was and like good. All, the, all like, the beers there that you can only get there are yeah. like. I mean, this is solid. It's yeah. Not it, like it's 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 you know that's what it is. But like it's good lager. It's a solid lager. But like the beer they have there is just. Yeah. Yeah, we get a chance. <laughs> Go out there. And kudos to them. They did an excellent job of managing safety around COVID considerations. Yeah, yeah. they did. Place, place was packed safely. In the, pre, <laughs> yeah, in the had, pre-vaccine era, last September. Yeah. 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 Huh? They had all, all outdoor seating with strict masking rules for uh, when you're up from your table. No touch ordering using uh, your phone and QR codes to, uh, to put in orders. It was a, a very impressive operation for... Allowing people to get together in small groups and have some fun without being unsafe yeah, at a time that, where we all needed that. That was one of the first times I remember like feeling normal. Oh, a little yeah. bit like oh, just yeah. feeling like oh, this is like a normal weekend. Like obviously we we were down in that part of the world for the weekend. But <laughs> that like, part of the world. That, that part is though it's outside of <laughs> outside of the Beltway. Yeah. What? It was, it I'm was, a swamp creature now. It's it, the worst. It, it, was, it was very scary, but they're like, oh, what is this, nature? What the fuck is this yeah. shit? Crickets? <laughs> no no gunshots? Unless it's like... <laughs> Are those stars? Yeah. Yeah, it was a wonderful time. But, so, <laughs> cheers to Devil's Backbone. Cheers to Devil's Backbone. I yeah. do definitely like their stuff. Spot. Anywho, so, the French reaction. Uh... It's not been positive. Uh, they've recalled their ambassadors from the UK, or not from the UK yet, uh, but from the US and from the, and Australia. Well, and they also managed to uh, turn the fact that they didn't recall their UK ambassador into an insult. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, I, I saw I, that. I really applaud the love yeah. of Pennyus. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes. just like, uh, Ledran referred to them as a third wheel. <laughs> said that it wasn't necessary. Something about their per, quote perpetual opportunism. Uh, end quote. It, it was it was an extremely uh, unhappy reaction, and I I don't blame them. Well, well, and I mean, I, I think it's worth distinguishing like two two layers here. I mean, in sort of direct material terms, like. Okay, they lost out on a defense acquisitions contract, a very a big, bit, one. a big one. Yeah. But like, they lost out on a on a contract, um, which happens all the time. So like, that I don't, part I, don't, is, I, don't, I don't think they're that mad about that. I think they're annoyed by that, but I don't think they're that mad. Well, but so that, I mean, that gets to my point is like in those direct material terms, like okay, that happens all the time. I, I think the bigger issue is for, for them is kind of a multi-layered question of perception in terms of their relationships with uh, the three countries involved and their their sense of not being adequately consulted and what it means for their ability to carve out their own geopolitical position in the Indo-Pacific and otherwise. And that's been a touchy issue in French politics since the end of World War Two, frankly. Yeah. And part of that, like, I, I totally understand they were not 
brought into the loop. They, they, they felt, you know, in the post-Trump era, there'd be a, a level of mutual respect well, between like, DC. They, they were pumped that Biden was in office. Yeah, they're, they're a level, like, I mean, yeah, there'd be issues, especially regarding Macron's statements about NATO, but, like, there would be <laughs> yeah. a, a level of respect and, like, on, being on an equal playing field, and this to them felt like a slap in the face, uh, which I kind of get. But on the other hand, you know, the Australians found a better deal. Like it's it, it there. This could have been handled a lot better by the American administration and the people down the ladder at the State Department. Um, including the French would have been a great thing in this. They have territories in the South Pacific. They have interests in the South Pacific. They're a strong military power. They're very strong military power. And if um, if not including them, perhaps. Incorporating complementary added added partnerships, where they Absolutely. they might not be part of exactly the same mechanism, but there are some both some kind of incentives thrown their their way to to say, hey, we know you're yeah. losing out on something here, but we're still keeping you well, in the fold. Well, and what so you let's trade some horses. And, and there, it seems like there could be some remedial stuff like that could emerge in time. It's just. The, with the initial headlines, it's like... Well, we, we were, so we were sitting out in my yard having beers before we did this, and we kind of had the, the fucking rob about the idea. It's like, well, why don't we just help the French find a new buyer? You know, maybe in the Vietnamese or the Taiwanese. Or both. Or, or, the, or the Philippines. Philippines need subs. Hey, all three. Yeah, yeah. why not? We, 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 could, we could finance so, having, having the... We, we could add some financing support to help the, the yeah. French uh, sell to all three of them because and, they're all important partners. And they all pay China can go fuck themselves. And diesel subs in shallow waters, if they don't have to go very far, they're actually quieter underwater. Um, they're slow. They're slower, but they're actually a lot quieter underwater than a nuclear sub. In, they, they, at they, certain they, speed. I mean, they, they can your submariner friend for this knowledge. I mean, they make perfect sense for the needs of the Taiwanese in the Taiwan Straits, yes. or of the, or of the Vietnamese and Philippine governments in the South China Sea context. In a way that it that honestly well, meets fuck their South free Korea needs. too. I mean, I don't know what their their South yeah. Korea looks like. But well, yeah. I. I, I think their their interest is probably not as pumped up right now as, as the three that we've already yeah. Yeah, yeah. that we've already and identified because they they aren't they're not in a position where they have the same direct concerns. I mean, South Korean relations with the PRC can get a little prickly on occasion, but it's very different from. I mean the. The South China Sea dynamic, where there are pretty substantial territorial disputes around maritime right. boundaries, that well, pretty much everyone has with the PRC down there, um, or even in more extreme terms, Taiwan, where the PRC <laughs> threatens their existence, their existence. Yeah. <laughs> um, and has been increasingly. Uh, kind of rattling things with some of the rhetoric coming out. Yeah. Um, I mean, frankly, the one of the key variables in this whole situation is the increasingly aggressive posture that PRC diplomacy has taken over... O- would, it, would, you, would you call it a wolf warrior? That, well, that's, <laughs> that's, not, that's not my term. No. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's, uh, that's, that's widely used because... 
it comes from a uh, a uh, Chinese film film, <laughs> movie. Well, film series now. Oh, it, it really? Made a couple, it's basically Chinese, Chinese Rambo, right? Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it's, it is. It is Chinese <laughs> Rambo. Um, but it's it's been kind of used as a pop culture reference to the fact that in very very different terms to the the Deng Xiaoping era of kind of bide your time, hide your strength, and, and play well with others, basically. Um, it, as under Xi Jinping... Uh, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so when... Banned in China. You just been banned. <laughs> so when, when, uh, when Ryan disappears uh, in the next week, you know why. <laughs> nice throwing you, bud. But... I made my choices. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, under Xi Jinping, especially in the last few years, there's really been uh, an increasingly aggressive nationalist turn and uncompromising turn yeah. in both sort of direct bilateral diplomacy between the PRC and other countries and in public diplomacy. Uh, I mean, the amount of cases of official PRC diplomats basically behaving as aggressive Twitter trolls uh, is kind of remarkable. Um, But, I mean, what you had is a situation where there are automatically going to be concerns that other countries in the neighborhood have about the growing military capabilities of the PRC. And, I mean, what you would sort of expect is the reasonable thing to do diplomatically in that position is to try to put your neighbor's concerns at ease and instead they seem to have been playing a game of how to lose friends and influence people to fear and loathe you yeah uh, which that's, is... that's what i do personally <laughs> Well, the PRC of the table here, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, but you have th- to establish dominance, okay? Yeah, no, but that's it's it's a very two dimensional like as long as you can cow people into obedience, like if you can, I mean, it's one thing with Thailand or Cambodia or any of these other yeah. like peripheral countries, but if you start trying to do that, which they have been to Australia, and Australia is a first world power with a lot of options. As we just saw, well, it, um, it may backfire. Well, I mean, the big thing is that kind of behavior, you know, China's being essentially built a bully. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I always had the fucking thing of if somebody bullies you, just hit them in the fucking face. Like, you, you might get your ass kicked, but it's like, they're going to regret it every single time. It's like, they, you will fight them knowing that is a problem. Yeah. But like, and like with Duterte in the Philippines, they can do that, but then, but his entire military is just like, we don't trust China at all. Like, yeah. you're, you're subservient well, here. Like, Duterte's gone off and on and been like, fuck China, but China French, fuck China again, but no, no, no. Like, Duterte's kind of like, you know, yeah. uh, and a batshit, insane, crazy autocratic ruler who wants well, to murder people all the time. Yeah. I mean, feed them to he's, a, he's a populist yeah. who like talked about pushing people out of helicopters, so. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he got from watching Scarface like that. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's got from doing it. Yeah, I, also well, doing it. Also, I think a lot of 21st century populists um, have gotten large portions of their personality from watching Scarface. Fair. 
Yeah, so it, it's that's a book. That's a fucking book in the making. But it's just, it's just like I feel like someone must have already written it, but maybe they haven't. We'll have to see. It's just shocking to me because one of China's big diplomatic strengths in the last fifteen to twenty years, in my opinion, has been like we're all about you know peaceful rise. We're 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 not you know we have these strengths. We have this these manpower, resources, all this stuff. But like compared to what the Americans are doing going all over the place causing problems like it's if only they had a PR agency helping them out like they they had such so many good cards to play and they just I mean the, the, they, they, they missed the dunk the they missed the dunk it's nature like, of the beast we were, they, they, are. they could have just let us make ourselves be you know the bad the aggressive guys. Aggressive bad, bad guys because we fucking are the bad guys. In a lot, of, yeah, in a lot of ways we are. But like, but they we, just we screw up in many cases. Like all countries screw right. up. Right. But there's a difference between. There's a big difference between trying to solve problems and often failing, versus just fundamentally trying to browbeat and bully and abuse others. Uh, at home or abroad, yeah. um, and we are—I mean, we are talking about a Leninist party state that has the largest operating system of concentration camps on the planet, that has just quashed uh, any semblance of freedom in Hong Kong, and that is basically going into overdrive and convincing all of its neighbors that it's a potential existential threat to them. So, so, what, so what you're saying is they have a big bag of shut the fuck up. Uh, okay, it's Lex. <laughs> well, what a, oh. the greatest transition in the history. Yeah. <laughs> but just one quick thing, just to, to like put a cap on that. I mean, let's note that one of their one of the PRC's kind of first lines in response to this new deal was to publicly talk about how well the Australian soldiers are going to be the first ones to die. That's very which is Trumpian, like it, and is again how to lose friends and influence people to fear and loathe you. Yeah, it. God. I mean, they also called it uh, the new new Cold War, is that the U.S. was. Well, I actually, I have. Well, I, everyone's I, been saying that all over the place yeah, for it, years. No, no, the Chinese foreign ministry, a spokesman, a spokesperson for the Chinese foreign ministry said. That it was utterly responsible conduct and serious damage to regional peace and stability, exacerbate an arms race and harm international nuclear non-proliferation agreements. I mean, is that really in? Is that against the arms agreements that we have? You know, is no. I mean, the yeah, it's part of the entire purpose of the consultation mechanism uh, in this agreement is to make sure that, however, some of the technology transfer is conducted does not run into any even technical violations right. of the yeah. non-proliferation yeah. treaty. They've it's a it's a very big priority of making sure that that's these. that's all above board and doesn't cause any issues with international or domestic law for any party yeah. involved. So like domestic wise is this whole wolf, wolf warrior thing a um, what percentage of it is like do people come out of these uh, equivalent of American, you know, neocon think tanks in China and thinking like, oh, this is going to be great, or this is more about quashing internal dissent. And we see internal dissent as Hong Kong, Taiwan, a lot of places, uh, but also Xinjiang, also 
um, amongst the rapidly um, growing and developing Chinese middle class. So I, I would distinguish between quashing dissent and shoring up support. Uh, I mean, as so I, I think there is a an often faulty um, misperception that well, so there's there's this old joke um, that you know at the towards the end of the Cold War uh, that the the leaders of uh, the U.S., the PRC, and the Soviet Union are, are driving down a highway mm-hmm. and it comes to a fork in the road with capitalism on the one side and socialism on the other side, mm-hmm. and so Ronald Reagan's driving down says, "I choose capitalism." Turns right down the the fork to capitalism. Gorbachev says, I choose socialism, turns left down the, the road to socialism. And Deng Xiaoping says, uh, I choose socialism, but then turns down the road right to capitalism. <laughs> uh, There's a quick one, too. <laughs> Isn't that a fucking meme where it's like it's turning off the fucking, like skidding off into the fucking um, uh, turn lane? And in terms of, in terms of uh, economic policy, there was something to that. But I think people often sort of over over uh, estimate just how sincere of a turn that was, as opposed to no, you have a you have a still ideologically Marxist Leninist yeah. party uh, that decided that okay for instrumental reasons as means to an end they needed more market forces for development up to a certain point, but the goal. Was still a, a one party state, a, a one party state With along Marxist Leninist yeah. lines that is still fundamentally communist in in ultimate orientation. Right, but in the process of opening up markets, you ended up with a situation where much of the public doesn't necessarily buy into those ideological lines in the way that a lot of the party leadership does. And they used nationalism to fill the gap. And so there's been... That solves everything. It's all, it's out, it always works out fine when you just add a nationalism. Yeah, that's, it's, it's clearly never gone wrong except for, for all of ever. the other yeah. thousands and thousands of times. And that was, times. you know, Lenin's famous adage where we'll have the capitalists sell us the rope that we use to hang them kind of thing. It's like, okay, we'll let them, like, we'll adopt elements of economic capitalism and... You know, join. We'll get well enough to join the WTO and do all this kind of stuff. Yeah, that worked out real fucking well. But, but we're still a fundamentally um, authoritarian statist. Yeah, I nation. Mean, what do you, I mean, yeah. the, the only like, doesn't I, matter how well, I, I would, like, how many billionaires are, how many Chinese billionaires there are now. Like, it's, well, it's like although they are yeah. purging a lot. They of are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, I think a lot I, of them I, are fleeing I, I think Switzerland. The most, the most, you know. Authoritarian regime in the world is North Korea, followed by China, in my opinion. I don't know. You, you, you see, see, I'm like thinking about it. Like, yeah, but that, that pause was Lex and you see Lex and Ross just going. I don't know if he's wrong. I don't know. Let me think about it. I would. If you're if you're wrong, China's like number three. But like I. I well, I mean, at least if you're talking about. Yeah. Countries of of any particular size in industrial development. I mean, like. I mean, like, I, I have not followed up on the latest political developments in Eritrea. But you have I, I mean, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's not my, but, that's but, not but my but specialty. It's, 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 I mean, it's, they it's, had a 
yeah, pretty, but, a pretty aggressively authoritarian system. But yeah, but, but uh, again, again like, you come to the point, the point you brought earlier is like, you know, the largest set of concentration camps in the fucking world, but hey, no one cares yep. about that, because why would they? Yeah. Uh, but anyway... Not even the Taliban cares about that, and they consider themselves oh, which, Islamic Don't extremists. get me fucking started. <laughs> okay, what we want. Don't get... Until next time. Until next time, yeah. Uh, but anyway, that was almost dramatic. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah. <laughs>